You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello listeners and welcome to this episode. Uh, this week I am joined by Mark. Hello Mark. Uh, hang on a sec, I'm just sorting out my dangly bits. Uh, two secs. <laughs> No, seriously, I'm all tangled up with cables going everywhere, so it, it, I'm in a bit of a kerfuffle uh, at the moment. Oh, don't, don't, don't. You know what I think about cables? I hate cables. I hate cables. I also have with me the original co-founder of the Essential Apple Podcast, Carl Madden. Hello, Carl. Hello, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm all right, thank you. I'm all right. And the last guest is Canis of Wooji Juice, the makers of Ferrite Recording Studio. So, hello, Canis. Hello, everyone. I've been waiting a long time for this interview. Many, many years ago, I asked Canis if he would come on when Ferrite was just a twinkle of the application it is now. So I'm looking forward to this one. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Right. Later on, we will have a look at the news in the second half, but... There's not much news because uh, it was Thanksgiving in the US, so nearly all the news was Black Friday, Cyber Monday stuff. And I do note that Black Friday now starts a week before and runs for up to two weeks after. But there we go. As is traditional with all holidays. Yeah, (laughs) quite right. More importantly, we're joined by Canis. So welcome to the show, Canis. Thank you for inviting me on. Obviously, you are the developer of the Ferrite Recording Studio for iOS. That's right. Which I know Carl is an avid user of, and I believe Mark has been making use of uh, recently. I have used Ferrite a little bit, but only on my iPhone because I don't have an iPad, and which is, uh, it's only, well, I don't say only, that's not the right word, is it? It's best used for just small snippets because on that tiny little screen it's uh, not ideal however you you can you can do it because i have oh i um, ah, see i disagree with that i've done a complete podcast uh on the on the iphone uh, i think it was about 40 minutes long granted i made it a lot harder for myself because i thought I don't need no stinking manual. Didn't quite know half the shortcuts. <laughs> and I'm sure Canis will agree the amount of times I've wrote, written into him going, how do I do this? And he goes, oh, yeah, it's already built in. <laughs> Is that RTFM? E- yes, very, very much so. A lot of people do use it on the iPhone, not so much for podcasts, but it's very popular on the iPhone with radio journalists. It's used a lot at the BBC and RTE and a bunch of other you know, national broadcasters and so on, um, because they can go out with just their phone and a you can get quite high quality microphones that plug into the lightning port and then they have something sort of non-intimidating to push into the faces of uh, people on the street to ask questions and do vox pops and all of this sort of thing. But then they can edit it right there on the device, just pop into a coffee shop and uh, upload the finished product back to the studio for broadcast. So that's kind of what I was meaning when I, I, I was saying, you know, it's better for smaller pieces. It's, you know, it's ideal for that. 
Mm-hmm. It's ideal for that. I've used it to do, you know, uh, edit small snippets and, and pieces. I, I just find it, maybe it's my poor old eyes, but I find it on that small screen, it's, it's not ideal. I prefer to work on a larger screen. And as I say, I don't own an iPad. But uh, I mean, that that would be an ideal application, obviously, particularly for a journalist, of course, because you you can have the product pretty much hot off the press, as it were. Indeed. I, I, t- I tell you what, Janice, I love this application. It has transformed the way I do my show. I went... I dipped my toe in, uh, I think, initially when it was released, and I, I, just like Mark, I couldn't understand it, couldn't get my head around it, and I went away and I kept using um, Audacity it was. And, well, we all know what Audacity is like. It's, it's great for <laughs> what it is, but it's old. It hasn't been updated in God knows how long. So then one day, I, I can't remember what it was, but something made me go back to, to Ferrite, and I found your YouTube videos, and mm-hmm. I watched them all. And after I'd watched them all, I thought, well, yeah, that's that's easy. That makes so much sense. And I went and did all the things that is demonstrated in in the demos, and I produced uh, a copy of the podcast I'd just done in in literally minutes compared to what it had taken me to do in Audacity. It was an absolute joy. All the things like removing silences, um, uh, truncating the podcast so it gets rid of all the gaps, doing the auto balance within like a few keys well not keystrokes but gestures and and it's all done it's an absolute joy and you can put all the metadata in there and then you can export it to either a waveform or an mp3 and it's ready to go it's i just love this is the most used app on my ipad every week at least three or four times i'm using this application well that's uh very kind of you and always great to hear that people are finding it useful um was there a question (laughs) (laughs) No, it wasn't. I mean, um, I, I mean, just said, how, how did you, how did you, first of all, why is it called ferrite? Um, mainly because I'm not very good at coming up with names. <laughs> uh, it's always the last thing to happen with an app. I've always assumed, perhaps incorrectly, that it is called ferrite because ferrite is the material on magnetic recording tape. That is the main reason, yes. It's also, um, if you look on cables, there's a little... Um, often a little widget that's kind of near the plug but not part of the plug and that has ferrite core in it yeah yeah and that reduces noise and ensures that you get a cleaner signal and there's a few other uses of ferrite related to recording and signal quality and things like that so it was sort of appropriate and also while i was developing the app I, i had to pick a code name because it has to be called something when you create the project and i was never going to come up with the real name before i started so it was codenamed Ceramic, mainly because of the color scheme. <laughs> and it turns out, you know, uh, ferrite is a kind of ceramic. So that was also part of it. So there's a bunch of reasons, but none of them like great marketing reasons or anything. Um, but it doesn't seem to have harmed the product any. So <laughs> No, it certainly stands out. I mean, instead of having something like called, I don't know, Audio Press Process of Pro or something, like ferrite sticks in the head. <laughs> Yeah, the only thing is if you search for it on Twitter, you get a lot of people that don't know how to spell ferret. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) What was the idea behind ferrite then? Was it you just spotted a gap in the market or you sort of had a a bit of interest in making a podcasting platform for yourself? Sorry, not platform, but app. Well, um, I've made... There's a couple of things that came together and one of them was that I already had and still have an audio editing package called Hoxley Audio Editor. And that's a very different kind of audio editor. It's, um, I often describe it as if ferrite is sort of like desktop publishing for audio, 
then Hokusai is more like Photoshop for audio. You can use it for mangling audio on a, not pixel, but you know, sample by sample basis in the same way that you paint you know, pixel by pixel in, in Photoshop or Pixelmator or something like that. But you probably wouldn't use Photoshop for laying out a book. Um, you could, but it would probably be quite painful. Um, and so in the same way, this, you know, uh, Hokusai is for things like creating sound effects and things like that, but you wouldn't want to necessarily make a podcast in it. And a lot of people were trying, and Hokusai has been around for quite a long time. I think it came out in 2011, and I must have started it in 2010. I think it, I started writing it on iOS 3, if that places it. And if you remember, you know, devices were pretty tiny back then, and people were trying to record audiobooks into it, you know, like seven hour long audiobooks, and I was just kind of boggling that people were even attempting that. And so part of it was that people wanted Hawksight to be something that it wasn't. And so rather than trying to break Hawksight to make it that, it was to make a new app that actually was what people were looking for. So that was one half of it. The other half is that I've always had an interest in um, digital audio workstations and I've kind of wanted to make a music production tool, but the task of making a music production tool is huge. There's um, just so much to it. And it seems that what I could do was carve out a corner of that that was dedicated to podcasting and journalism, just sort of spoken word stuff. And it would have a lot of the same things, but it would be a lot more manageable for you know one person to create on a reasonable amount of time. And while still being actually useful for people in their in their real jobs. Um, and of course, it's also good in so much as it's not, you know, there aren't, there's quite a few audio editing apps for iOS, but they're almost all focused on music and not on podcasts and spoken words. So there was an underserved market. So all these things came together and led to me creating Ferret. And it is, as I will second what Carl said, it is a darn, darn fine application. Especially, uh, I just upgraded to a, I think it's a second gen uh, iPad Pro. And it's actually quicker for me to do a quick bounce of the audio from my Mac, put it into Ferrite, do all the bits in bobs, not have to worry about leveling off because it's, uh, it's all built in, and then share it. And it's done. And it's just so, so fast on the iPad Pro. What, what are the development tools that you work with? What sort of things are you testing Ferrite on? Uh, so development tools, did you say? Yeah. Um, well, mainly just Xcode, of course. Um, that's just how it is on iOS. Uh, I do use some other stuff. I use Sketch for uh, designing the UI. And um, there's an app called Paint Code. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's sort of like sketch in that it's a vector art package but it spits out uh, code in swift <laughs> so you can design a widget um, and then have that turned into code that you can then use in the app directly which is good because unlike outputting a bitmap when you then uh, you know when apple comes out with a new screen size and you need to bring out a new resolution like 3x resolution or something you don't need to do that because it just works. It's It just draws it to the correct size. Um, just having a look at that. No, that looks we, damn impressive, that app. Sorry, uh, paint code? Yeah. 
yeah, it is very nice. Yeah, I don't use a lot of other tools um, because it's it's mostly safe, self-contained within Xcode. Um, there's stuff like source control clients and things like this that's all kind of low level and boring, but essential. Actually, we all, obviously we're all talking about the podcasting aspect, and you mentioned the fact that the report was taken on the streaks with them. Mm-hmm. Have you heard? Have you heard back from anyone else? What other kinds of um, instances it's been used for? Because I can imagine there's more than just you know these two, like podcasting and and news reporters. There's got to be uh, lots of other people finding a use for this application. Yeah, um, I've heard from yeah quite a wide variety of people doing things with it. Um, there seem to be a lot of American pastors who record their um, sermons with it. There's people who record audiobooks with it. Uh, one of the beta testers it was using it to record textbooks into audio form for kids that couldn't see. Um, what else has it been used for? A lot of people do use it just as a voice memos app, even though that's kind of overkill. I think uh, people use it for recording lectures as well. Anywhere, any situation where you need to record very long amounts of spoken word audio and then edit it a bit, it comes in useful because tools like GarageBand tend to not deal with very, very long recordings and things. No, it's always falling over GarageBand. <laughs> Bless it. But so, yeah. And also, I love the fact that you continuously update it. Like, just literally recently, uh, you uh, released a version that takes advantage of the Apple Pencil 2. And and that's and you've allowed it with you've allowed the user to decide so many functions of what that double tap can mean. It's it's brilliant, and it's just sped up my workflow. Like I just use, I have it for stop and start, but there was loads of other alternatives on there. I mean, that's it's fantastic that you keep updating it. Sometimes you're like, okay, I need to do this feature, and it's important precisely because of this feature and this feature only. But it's essential, like I don't know, um, encoding to MP3s. It was something that I couldn't do for a long time because MP3s were protected by behind a patent, mm-hmm. and then the last of the patents expired, and so then I could add it, and that's great. But it's it's a standalone thing, if you see what I mean. Whereas it can be good if you can have a feature that keeps on giving if you see what i mean so an example of that would be the uh the system i developed for keyboard shortcuts so in ferrite and i think this is quite unusual for ipad apps as well as having a lot of keyboard shortcuts it has alternate keyboard shortcut schemes that you can switch to and you can also customize your own so you can go in and say exactly what keys you want bound to what so whatever's most convenient to you or whatever you're already familiar with from other apps you can set that up and so with the apple pencil 2 and its double tap uh, shortcut gesture i hooked that into the same system and so that's an example of it paying forwards in that this flexible shortcut system then comes in useful again because any of those shortcuts it's almost like the double tap is an extra key, if you see what I mean, that you mm-hmm. can hook into the same system. And it's the same with the, there's a flexible toolbar, uh, which again, I don't think you see in a lot of iPad apps. Um, most of the time, Ferrite tries to keep the screen not cluttered so that you can focus on your work and so that new users aren't intimidated. But if you like to have a lot of shortcut buttons on screen, you can show a shortcut bar and then you can rearrange the buttons on it and add and remove buttons. And that ties into the same system again. So there's just this generalized uh, system for 
triggering shortcuts and there's three different ways of triggering them. How long did it take you to implement the new Apple Pencil features? Because it hasn't really been out that long. So were you, did you? Have, I assume that you had developer access for it? Uh, not really, no, because they, I mean, I think we got access to it about a handful of days before it was released because they didn't, uh, until it was shown at the, the press event, we, yeah, we sort of, guessed that it might be coming from rumors but we didn't actually know and we didn't have code for it um so uh, but it didn't take very long because it's a fairly straightforward api some of apple's apis can be a bit obtuse but this one isn't it's just yep there's because there's only one shortcut on it it's not like there's a whole set of gestures on the pencil it's just double tap so it's just a question of saying what you want it to do and because I already had the stuff in place for setting up shortcuts, I didn't have a lot of work that I needed to do to make that happen. Now, Ferrite has an absolute butt-ton of features. Uh, if we go for a couple, you've got, um, what was it Carl said, you've got strip silence. So if you have an audio gap, which is less than a certain amount of noise, and for so long, it will cut that out nicely. You can then do a ripple delete. So when you have, when you ship that silence, if you want to, you can tighten it up. Um, no, sorry, they're two different features, aren't they? I'm getting them. They're both similar, but they both do a distinctly different <laughs> There's a job. There's different things there. So, um, if people are just hearing this and haven't seen it, it might be a bit hard to visualize, but um, imagine you have a piece of paper with some words written on it and they're all spread out quite wide across the paper. Um, what Strip Silence does is it's like cutting the words out from the paper so that then you have each word on an individual piece of paper and you can move it around. Whereas if it's all on one piece of paper, the only way to remove it would be to you know, get out an eraser and erase across the words and rewrite them, which would be very annoying. Um, if they're all separate little pieces and you can just slide them backwards and forwards, it's a lot more convenient. So that's what Strip Silence does. And so it's a very good first step for producing a podcast because you've got a single giant WAV file that is the entire recording for the entire podcast. And then this will go through and chop out, chop it at a different... You can sort of set how detailed you want it to be. So you typically wouldn't want to be sliding around every word, but... You probably want to be able to move sentences around so that you can take out the gaps between them a little bit. So that's what Strip Silence does. Um, there's a second thing called Titan Audio, which basically just finds gaps that are present across the entire timeline, across all tracks, and squishes them. So that it's a bit like um, quite a lot of podcast players have a similar feature that just eliminates pauses, but this is sort of at the, the production side. And then ripple delete is where you delete a clip off of the timeline and all of the, you know, this is going to leave a big gap behind and ripple delete just sort of closes that gap by pulling all of the audio uh, after it in the timeline and uh, to fill the gap. And I love using all of them because uh, this is the only reason I bought a new Apple Pencil because the way I like to use your application is after I've done the show, I lay down, I relax, and I literally just <laughs> go through playing in real time and then deleting like errs and ums and like clicks and pops and stuff like this that are too big to be eradicated by the, the noise gate. And, and it's just brilliant. I just love it. It's so relaxing just to swipe, delete, swipe, delete. That's what the setting I've got it on for the pencil. Uh, and it's an absolute joy 
to use and it's so fast it tra- like i say again i'm not i'm not blowing bubbles here or anything it actually totally transformed how i did my my post-production on my shows it, it went from maybe two and a half hours to like 20 minutes sometimes it's an absolute joy i think a lot of that comes down to using either the pencil or fingers directly on the screen because you're um, i think I've, I've heard people say before it's almost like sculpting sound or um you know getting hands on with it it just there's something that just feels very different about doing that versus using a mouse even though a mouse can be very precise the fact that you're moving your arm to move the mouse to move the pointer to move the audio there's all those layers of indirection and it's different from just putting your finger on a piece of audio and saying you go there it is yeah it's transformative i mean just the fact as well like i i I push my fingers apart and it zooms in on a section and i can get down to the individual sound wave and like cut that out sort of thing it's yeah that's another reason why it can be uncluttered is because it doesn't need lots of extra controls for scrolling and zooming because we're just used to those gestures because they're part of how ios works you know whether it's the photos app or anything else safari we're used to just scrolling around and zooming with fingers and so all of those controls that you would see in a a desktop audio editor they just go away yeah, and it's like I say, it's transformative. It's anyone, anyone who wants, who has to, or wants to edit audio, you have to check out Ferrite. Um, it is absolutely brilliant. There's so many podcasters out there. I know it, like famous podcasters as well, who who use this application now. It's 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 amazing. If you hadn't heard like the likes of Jason Snell and and, and such mention Ferrite, then you're not listening to podcasts. That's what I say. There's um, a podcast I was on last year with Jason. Um, so you, they might want to check that out. What do you know? What show that was, um, Canis? And I'll put a link into the show notes. Sure. I'll, yeah. Now, um, there's a lot of talk recently from well, it seems to be coming from Apple that Apple are trying to push the subscription model on, like, definitely on professional apps. And I would definitely rate your app as a professional app. It's it's you know it's fantastic. But you you've gone you using a one-off payment. Uh, system with some in-app purchases to unlock even more pro features in it how have you how do you personally come down on that whole debate versus a one-off payment or an upfront payment and a subscription model uh i think it's difficult i because i can see both sides uh, and i'm not religious about either side of it um I'm not intending to use the subscription model for Ferrite, um, but I don't rule out experimenting with it for other apps I might make. Um, I can see why people are reluctant to subscribe to apps that, you know, when you stop paying, they just go away. But at the same time, it's unrealistic to pay once for an app and then expect it to be updated forever, um, which people increasingly do. You know, it didn't used to be like that. You would buy an app and you would get a box <laughs> with discs <laughs> in it and install from those and that was the app and you either liked it or you didn't and then they might bring out another version sometime and you would be expected to pay to get the new one. And obviously we don't live in that world anymore. Um, but at the same time, you know, I don't get to go to my landlord and say, but but I, I already paid for the rent <laughs> once. <laughs> And, and these things, yeah. So I can see both sides. Um, it's funny, you were talking about Apple pushing 
subscriptions. There's a bit of a, a left hand not talking to the right hand situation going on when it comes to professional apps because um, for really professional apps, what would be great is to be able to sell uh, sort of site licenses to companies, which is how a lot of apps have traditionally been sold when they're used in that kind of environment. Um, so you know, if a news organization wanted to buy, you know, a thousand licenses that it could then distribute out to its journalists. And when someone leaves and another person joins, they just transfer that over to them. That would be great. And Apple have a system for that called the volume purchase program. It does not support subscriptions. It does not support in-app purchases. Um, and of course it doesn't support upgrades or anything like that because the app store just doesn't. And so developers went to the you know Apple and said, well, we want to use we want upgrade pricing, and Apple said, uh, don't don't do that. Use subscriptions and in-app purchases. And then at the same time, if you look at the page for the volume purchase program for developers, it says uh, you should not use in-app purchases or subscriptions. They really need to get that sorted out. Yeah, I think at the moment in Apple, there's a lot of little things that they need to get sorted out here and there. Everyone's got a list. <laughs> <laughs> You've got apps like Ferrite, and it does make you wonder, where are the rest of the, the pro apps like this, especially for video editing? You go and download a few video editors, and it always feels a bit clunky. It's a bit of a struggle. Whereas Ferrite, it really does make you want to tap and explore and keep going back to the, the manual and keep learning. Just sticking with, the, the, uh, stick with what Carl said for a second there, um, when I started out in the world of podcasting, I used a platform called Opinion. And you could buy the app and you could push up to a hosting service uh, and it was a one-off fee. Have you ever thought about going into the service side of like offering podcast hosting so you could literally bounce from Ferrite to some sort of podcasting hosting directory that you're controlling to get a bit of revenue that way? Uh, it's not really my area of expertise. I feel like it would take my focus off of the app itself. There's quite a lot of services out there and... I think the smart thing for them to do, if they're not already, is to bring out iOS apps that act as uploaders, in a sense, so that they would just appear in the share sheet. So that instead of having to, say, save out to the files app and then upload from Safari or whatever, you would just go you know, share in Ferrite and it would be one of the services listed. So you would pick, I don't know, um, Libsyn or Stitcher or uh, Podbean or any of the other services, you just pick one and it would just post it for you. That would be the ideal, I think, because then you have uh, a lot of choice. And that's all, you know, Ferrite would support that, iOS would support that, they just need to handle their side of things. That sounds like a fantastic uh, feature. Ferrite has a lot of features, but what is one of the sort of one, what are the ones that you're most proud of? Because as Carl said earlier on, you've got auto leveling. So for me personally, I don't need to bounce it up to Orphonic, pour the bounce down, smash it all back into Ferrite and then export it again. What's the feature that you're most proud of? Yeah, actually, the auto-leveling is one that I, I like. It, for people who aren't familiar with it, it's going, if you have a, a podcast where either because you have multiple people and their microphones won't all look quite the same level, or if you just have one person who tends to keep leaning forwards and backwards so that their uh, volume levels go up and down, um, auto leveling will just smooth all of that out, which is what you want for a nice, clean listening experience. Um, so, from a technical point of view, people have often solved this using things like compressors and expanders and peak limiters and noise gates. And it's 
you can think of it like as a, a combination of all of those things, but it's actually not. It's something completely different um, that looks at the entire production at once. You know, because most of those tools, what they do is you feed audio into them as though they were a like a, a physical hardware box in a in a recording studio with cables running in and out, and they just sort of listen to the signal as it passes through and sort of make changes as they listen to it. Oh. With the auto leveling here, it can look at the entire thing in advance, plan out exactly, and you can see ah the volume's going to turn up here, so we actually want to start changing the volume a little bit in advance, and it can sort of see where um, sentences end and. Sometimes what it needs to do is actually not compensate because it sounds really weird if you do. So um, if you think about uh, a word like don't, <laughs> just the, the little gap between the N and the T where we write the apostrophe when we write it, but when we say it, there's a little kind of almost a pause in there, but not quite. If you're not careful about how you implement the algorithm and you just blindly try to, you say, this is the volume target and you're going to match it exactly, then all of those little bits get turned up and it sounds really weird <laughs> <laughs> because every tiny little noise suddenly gets magnified and yeah so it's got quite a lot of uh, quite a lot going on there i think it feeds through something like 10 different stages as it's analyzing and uh, planning and then finally rendering out um interesting because when i started getting you know leveling was mm -hmm. one of the things I struggled with. And um, Mark was quite keen on Levelator. Mm -hmm. Well, I found that a bit harsh, personally, when mm -hmm. I used that. It did suffer a bit from that. I mean, it did a fairly good job for, you know, you chuck your audio in and it, it kind of smooths it out. And it, it, was, it was certainly better than no leveling. But I found my way. Uh, and also, I did quite a lot of research on, on um, you know, I'm not an audio expert by any chance, but I did do sort of some background research in, into you know what leveling you know requires on a more mm -hmm. technical level and i found my way to a plugin for audacity called chris's dynamic compressor which okay. um is uh unfortunately the the developer died so um oh, no. yeah the, the, so it's hosted uh kind of in in memory of him it's a plugin for audacity there's also uh what went with it was a a fairly lengthy explanation of how he'd written it for his mm -hmm. own purposes which, yeah, in, in the same way, he says, you know, I, I, it looks ahead in chunks. And so it doesn't just, just attack the whole thing. It's the same thing. It's like a multi-stage mm -hmm. leveling, and which I found to be very good. But yes, it, it, exactly. That's what I, and that also that's adjustable, whereas Level 8 has no adjustments whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, the Chris's dynamic compressor has uh, several sliders, which I tend not to touch. I just used the, <laughs> I just used the, in his note, you know, in his note, he's like, this is the default, but that's probably not the best setting. This is what I recommend you use. So I set it to that and it's been perfect. So <laughs> I don't know enough to mess about with it any more than that. But that uses a multi-stage, as you say, and it, it doesn't analyze the whole thing. It, it reads ahead, but it reads ahead in, in kind of in chunks. So it does allow like natural dips and, and rises it doesn't just kind mm -hmm. of make the whole thing into a flat line because yeah. that, that sounds unnatural doesn't it that makes everything sound really a bit strange as you say there's no natural dips at all yeah it can be um if you go into the settings in ferrite there is actually you can turn up the auto leveling to a, a strong mode that isn't recommended but you can and that gets a bit like that but it's kind of funny in a kind of rock radio kind of way. 
Actually, I was going to ask you what the regular and strong settings in level are meant. So. Yeah, so that's what that's about, is that when it's on strong, it's much more aggressive about uh, matching a particular target level. Um, and it's usually, uh, yeah, I don't particularly recommend it, but it can occasionally be helpful if you have very variable audio for some reason. Or if you just like it because it sounds funny. <laughs> hmm. I think an, another update I, I saw you implement recently is... Um, is it, is it pre-compression or pre-leveling before you even import them into a project you can go through? Yeah, so auto-leveling's been in Ferrite for a while now. I can't remember exactly when it went in, but a year or two maybe. But that's something that you apply to a project when it's exported. So the finished project, the finished, finished product gets smoothed out for you. Um, but it can be useful sometimes to uh, auto-level the recordings themselves before you start editing. So if you have a particularly quiet um, a recording from someone, it can be a little tricky to edit if you don't fix that first, just because it's hard to see what's going on. Um, so yeah, there's a, a new pre-production section that went in in Ferrite 2, and that lets you uh, apply, pre uh, apply auto-leveling to the recording before you start, and it's just a single switch. You just turn it on and it's done. And that saved my bacon. Actually, the week you introduced that, the following week, I had someone on, and I realised after I'd recorded the show, their mic must have been down or something, or they were talking away, and I could barely hear them, and it, it sorted it for me. So That's great. That's fantastic. Uh, so are you a one-man show, actually, Canis, as well, like Wu Juice? Uh, yeah, yeah um, in the early days, um, when I was doing... Because I've done a bunch of different things, and the original idea was to be making video games but it seems like on ios the video game market has been pretty much taken over by the kind of free-to-play slot machine mechanics and I'm, that's just really not my thing so um but i was yeah i made a few games and i worked with other people on that because i worked with artists and um i worked with musicians and sort of sound designers uh, to come up with you know sound effects and things and that's kind of how I got into making audio apps because uh, the musician I was working with actually had a, a flood at his studio. And so he had to move all of his gear out and put it into storage until that was resolved. But he had an iPad. So I thought, well, I could make some tools for him to mess around with on the iPad and see if that helps. And that's kind of how I ended up getting into making audio apps in the first place. I wish I could have a friend like you who just suddenly puts together an application on the iPad for me. That would be blinding. This is a slightly aside, Canis, but um, obviously your your company is called Wooji Juice. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> I have listened to some of your other interviews, so I do actually know the answer to this. But um, <laughs> would you like to tell the listeners the story behind the slightly unusual name? Well, I used to work for another company that also had an unusual name, which was uh, Mucky Foot Productions. <laughs> and... Uh, that was a video game company. I worked in the games industry for about a decade before I struck out on my own and made games there like um, Startopia. I don't know if anyone remembers that. It was sort of like, if you remember Theme Park, it was some of the same people that worked on Theme Park and it was kind of like Theme Park in a space station. And while we were there and sort of discussing game designs and game ideas, we would use Wooji to refer to sort of magical things, but without being a particular kind of magic, like not Harry Potter magic or, um, you know, a, a particular thing. It could be technology, you know, it could be sci-fi, it could be, um, you know, uh, sort of God powers like in Populous. It could be anything uh, that was just sort of 
magical in nature, whatever the origin, we would just refer to it as Wuji stuff. Um, and so that's where I picked up that word from. And then juice as in you, you take that and you, you juice it and you pour yourself a nice tall glass of Wuji juice. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Wuji juice is the magical, <laughs> magical output. There we go. <laughs> Which is actually a good description, really, of ferrite, I think, because like Carl would, I think, would probably describe ferrite as pretty magical, wouldn't you, Carl? Absolutely. Fried gold, as Simon Pegg would say. Fried gold? What the heck is that saying? There we are. I think what I had in mind when I came up with that as being the name was the things like auto-leveling or stuff that isn't quite as visible but it's still going on behind the scenes like the way that it analyzes the gestures so that it can figure out whether you're trying to select something or move oh, something i or can testify to that um there's a lot of subtle details that make something feel magical you know like apple likes to talk about the ipad being magical and it sort of can sound a bit silly sometimes but at the same time it's kind of true in that it does feel magical somehow because you are just manipulating this stuff with your fingers as though you were, you know, a magician somehow with this screen that is like a magic window into another world. So it sort of works. <laughs> it does. I can't, it's something always interests me when it comes to developers and stuff. So what was your first computer? Wow, that's going back a bit. Uh, do you remember the BBC Micro Model B? Oh, you was, you was another middle class person. <laughs> oh, there's a, oh, it's... Well, the reason we had one was because my parents were both teachers and uh. they thought that they needed to get one to learn how to use it for their work. So that's why. Nice. Um, I did use, that was the first one that we actually owned as a family. Um, I did use a couple of computers before that that were uh, sort of borrowed just to sort of see what was going on. Um, you know, when my parents were deciding what to get, they sort of borrowed a couple to check them out, and they borrowed a, uh, a ZX81. Yes, that was my first. <laughs> <laughs> a ZX81 and a ZX Spectrum, and I think some kind of weird semi-industrial thing that I don't remember the <laughs> name of, but uh, I don't think it was a Commodore PET, but it was something like, that looked like it. Uh, you know, a big sort of metal boxy thing. Mm. Um but the first thing that I used sort of uh, in earnest was a BBC Model B. And is that, is that where you start? Did you start programming or learning to program? Like, yes. In basic, yeah. it was BBC Basic, wasn't it, it back was then? It was BBC Basic and it was very basic, but it was, uh, it was a pretty good basic, but it was basic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I was stuck on that for a very long time, uh, but I did get to mess around with, do you remember the Archimedes? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so the funny thing about the Archimedes that not a lot of people remember is that at the beating heart of the Archimedes was the very first ever ARM chip. All of the chips in our uh, iPhones and iPads and Apple Watches are all ARM chips, and that was the original. It all comes from And it there. was a hell of a beast as well. It used to knock spots off everything that we had there. <laughs> Oh, there's a yep. there's a few yeah. retro gaming YouTube channels, and they show things like Elite running on it. And you're thinking, mm -hmm. blinking heck, you know, that's going at 30 frames a second on that little beastie. <laughs> it was an amazing little machine. It was, uh, yeah, because it had a, a full color graphical user interface with like drag and drop and all of that kind of modern stuff going on uh, way back in the 80s, and 
it was sort of because it had that power it could do the things that we you know we take for uh, granted now like when you resize a window the whole re window resizes instead of which is what a lot of other systems at the time did just dragging an outline of it and then having the window snap in to follow the outline when you let go and that seems trivial now but back then it was amazing oh back in it's back always in the day it's always good to hear a developer go oh yeah what's your first computer oh, instead of it being like an apple II or something it's a, a bbc yes <laughs> <laughs> well it's a very uk thing yes in a way it was kind of our equivalent of the apple II because they were both 6502 based computers with a, a, a metric ton of ports <laughs> ports what are they <laughs> well, I, that that leads me on to my next question. Nice to do that, Carl. Do you ever see a time, Canis, when we'll actually be able to do a podcast using nothing but our iPad? That includes uh, being able to record it. Now, I know there are some sort of hokey situations where you can use a web-based recording system and pull it down. But do you think that the iPad is eventually going to get there, in your opinion, in what you've seen with all the Apple developer stuff that you get access to? Well, I haven't gotten access to anything that suggests that's going to change anytime soon, but it seems likely that they'll get their act together eventually. I mean, there's already systems in place that let apps share audio from one app to another. So there's no reason why tools like Skype and Wire and so on couldn't allow you to record into another app. They just don't. <laughs> so... Um, well, Skype's got a built-in uh, call recorder, though, hasn't it, from what I read the other day? Yeah, I haven't tried it myself, so I don't know whether it records everything in one, which is kind of not what you want, ideally. You really want to be able to record your own voice separately from everyone else's, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, the answer is yes, it's all doable. It's just that it depends on other pieces of the puzzle you know, like Skype or Apple or somebody else getting their act together. <laughs> not to pass the buck, but it's just unfortunately not something that I can fix. And because because Ferro has been like quite, um, it's, it's been discovered by, like, like I say, the podcast community at large, has, has that like made Apple get in touch with you anyway? Like they do that today promotion on their, in the app store and things like this. Have they ever been in touch with you about maybe promoting your app? <laughs> nope, not at all. Oh, what's wrong with them? <laughs> Funny thing is, they did, um, you know, they do occasional um, little app store features where they say, uh, top five apps for doing X. They did one for podcasting and they included Hawksai, which is not about podcasting and didn't include Ferrite. I don't oh. know what's going on there at all. Need to write a letter, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, oh, that's a shame. That's a shame because um, apparently, you know, when you apparently get featured on those pages, it, it becomes very popular for at least a day. The um, the things that are uh, are pushed there. But yeah, I'm surprised actually. I'm surprised because it's a perfect um, application to show off what the iPad can do. It's crazy for me. For uh, it's crazy for me for me to believe they're not aware of it or want to push it in some way. It's, it's just madness. I I don't know you you the. What's going on in the mind of app stores, uh, editorial staff is, I, I just, I have no concept or visibility into that whatsoever. I just, it mystifies me. No, I'm not just saying, oh, how can they not, how can they possibly not include me? I just, just generally, what, what I just have no idea what they're looking for. I don't know if there's a particular, like maybe because I don't support X feature or Y feature and they're like, well, we're really pushing those features this year. So we're not going to feature apps that don't have it or you know, maybe there is just a thing that if I included it, it would turn up, you know, 
but I don't know what that one thing is, so... <laughs> yeah. I think maybe your app looks so good it sort of shows Apple up a little bit because I've said on a previous show for the iPad Pro, where are the Apple Pro apps? So you would think that normally Apple come out the gate, they release something like Pages, which is not bad. It's a bit of a learning curve to go from Word to Pages, but once you get there, it's okay. And then we all sort of wait for developers to find their feet and hopefully stop making really addictive fishing games that cost me loads of time and effort on them. <laughs> oh damn i hate that game and that just doesn't seem to happen with the ipad pro so i'm wondering if there's sort of like a thing of like oh yeah garage band's starting to look a little bit clunky in some ways compared to this uh, i don't know um i guess purely selfishly i'm kind of glad that logic isn't on the ipad but <laughs> um I, I don't know so it's just stick to garage band apple because every time <laughs> every time it crashes and does something wrong it pushes them towards you so <laughs> and um, Mark, um, you you mentioned where are some of the other apps like um, Ferrite. Uh, I, I don't do video really, but um, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, several of the guys in the Slack uh, seem to be praising up Luma Fusion. Oh, I don't know if any of you yes, guys. Yes, that's a video editor type thing. Because uh... yes, it is a video video an iPad based video editor. Yeah, there was a very famous chap who did a complete video editing on the iPad Pro, and he was quite blown away from it. But it, you get these apps like Ferret, and I think Carol saying this, named it perfectly, the fact that it's such a good app, and it really doesn't get you know the recognition in some circles that it should do. There we go. We'll do our best to promote it, <laughs> shout it from the rooftops. Yeah, it's, it's basically been a fanboy cast of uh, what everything good about um, Ferret. So... Are you allowed to sort of tell us about some of the... So, right, let me try that again. Da, 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 he drops a marker there. <laughs> so, oh, actually, I can leave that in, because speaking of dropping markers, uh, if you are thinking of using Ferrite to do some recording uh, or editing, you can actually record on your desktop, drop in a chapter, and as long as you export it as a chapterized MP3, you can then go into Ferrite and start you know, scrolling around and finding those edit points. I wouldn't particularly recommend using MP3s as your source material. It works, but MP3s are slower to open than other formats because you can't... The actual the playback routines need to scan the entire file in order to find out simple things like how long it is, <laughs> uh, whereas with other formats they don't. So you can use it, but I would recommend using WAVs or something else. But... Um, but if I remember correctly, a certain somebody, namely me, emailed in to say, does the does Ferret support um, WAVs with chapters in them? Yeah, it doesn't support WAVs with chapters in, but it supports um, a variety of other ways of getting chapter markers in. So, yeah. Does it does it support um, AAC, Hannes, with chapters? Uh, it should, yeah, actually. If you, um, I'm trying to remember, I'm pretty sure that works. <laughs> I should be more confident, shouldn't I? <laughs> uh, but I'm pretty sure it does. If you uh, drop a, an AAC or M4A file with chapter markers into the library, then bring up the info, you should see all of the chapters as bookmarks. Um, which, because you can, uh, you obviously know this, but the listeners might not, you, while you're recording in Ferrite, there's a big bookmark button. If you just tap that, it remembers that timestamp. And then when you're editing, it actually highlights that moment in time on the time bar across the top. 
so that you can quickly find, for example, the bits where you want to go back and edit out yourself uh, fluffing up a line, or maybe somebody drops a swear word in your a non-explicit show so you want to go back and bleep it out or whatever that might be um, and so yeah those uh, if you have chapter markers in a, a file that you import into ferrite it turns those into those bookmarks and have you, obviously I don't want you to give anything away here but um, are, you, are you continuously working on a project well I know you are because you keep doing updates but have you are you really working on the next update is there some more big features or you know or, or some medium-sized features that are come in that you're pretty excited about there's a few things that I'm looking into uh, most of it I'm not ready to announce yet but uh, I have been doing some research in the field of speeding up mp3 exports um, you may be familiar with a desktop app that exports mp3s very fast by spreading it out to multiple cores yeah um, and that wasn't really practical on the ipad until fairly recently but now with the new ipad pro having eight cores in it which is crazy um, <laughs> it suddenly becomes a lot more interesting so i've been taking a look at that recently and i have some interesting initial results well i think people might be yeah quite pleased when that comes out did you did you get a new ipad pro i haven't yet no um but it uh seems to be getting some interesting results even on one of the older ipads and also if you run it in the simulator on the mac um you get it sim seems to simulate a ton of cores anyway <laughs> <laughs> so while you shouldn't rely on the simulator as being a, an indicator of real world performance for all sorts of reasons um it allows me to test with lots of cores just to make sure that it doesn't get confused. Fantastic. Well, I'm hoping that something comes of that because, uh, yeah, I mean, exporting is still one of those things. It's probably the slowest part of the entire process for me. I mean, it's not, it doesn't take long just compared to everything else. It's just a case of um, waiting for it to, to, to export. Normally, if I do it as a wave, though, it's pretty darn fast. It's just if I yes. do choose to do the pre-compression in the app itself and push push it out as an MP3. Yeah, because um, yeah, if you just do a regular export to a WAV file, it's essentially just playing it back at um, you know a thousand times speed or whatever, and just recording every the output to a WAV file, which is very fast because the contents of a WAV file is pretty much just a copy of the audio dumped straight out into a file with nothing done to it. And if you export to MPEG four, the uh, all the iOS devices since I think the 3GS or something have got a chip in them that will actually do that encoding in hardware very fast. MP3s, not so much. MP3s have to do it all in software, so it's much slower. So that's where you'll be seeing like 95 or more percent of the time of export will be in the MP3 encoding. And so that's why I've been looking into speeding that up specifically. Yeah, it's really, I mean, because I, I do it as MP3 because that's still the recognized everybody can get it sort of thing. I probably should oh, well, move. Course, yeah. I should, probably should move at some point to a more modern uh, encoding. Uh, no, process. I mean, I, I, yeah, I understand people sticking with MP3. It makes a lot of sense because uh, there's just so many different players out there on lots of different platforms and they all support MP3. So I completely get people using that as the format. 
Yeah, well, I mean, for example, the, the other reason, obviously, is, is of course compression. Because our show, if I when I output the the recording, I mean, it's usually around a gig, and by the time I've either I or Mark have edited it and then exported it with a variable rate MP3, I, I mean, I I know we export to mono and and all the rest because it's all basically spoken voice, but I mean that comes down to about fifty meg, <laughs> which is uh, you know that's a big. <laughs> That's a big difference when you're trying to push something up to your, uh, you know, to your host. <laughs> it is. Um, there are other formats that are that small that aren't MP3s. It's just that they're not as widely supported by podcast players. Not necessarily the best, but the widest, <laughs> the widest acceptance sometimes wins out, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, that's very common in technology, all the way back to VHS tapes. Yeah, well, the other the other thing, of course, is you know, like <laughs> like how many USB sticks are Fat Thirty Two? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a terrible, terrible, terrible uh, format, but it's understood by everything in the whole world, so it's kind of lowest common denominator sometimes wins out. Indeed. Right, guys, we've been going for uh, well an hour basically. So I think we should uh, take a break and uh, go and listen to John in the hardware store. And when we come back, <laughs> uh, we can do a few, uh, a few short stories and then uh, we'll let you get off, Janice. All right. Okay. So, uh, all right, over to John uh, while we take five. Nemo's hardware store is featuring two outstanding stocking stuffers that you really cannot live without. They are affordable, practical, and of much greater value than their modest cost. The first one is $13 US. The company is Spigen, S-P-I-G-E-N, and they're tempered glass screen protectors for the new Apple iPhone X series, the S, the R, and the Max. They come in a two-pack. It's called the Glass T-R-G-L-A-S-T-R. We will have the link in our show notes here on Essential Apple Podcast. And it comes with a really handy, easy fit tray to make it quite convenient for placing and locking in the glass cover on your precious, beautiful new iPhone X series. It also works for the standard X because it's the same size as the XS. So for $13 US, you get two of these tempered glass covers. And trust me, you will drop your phone. You do not want to drop it onto the glass of the actual Apple part of the phone. You want to make sure it drops onto the Spigen covered tempered glass cover. I strongly recommend these. Give them a try. Great price, easy fit, well-made, clear, good touch capability for your finger and your stylus, protecting your phone and gives you lots of peace of mind at a very reasonable price. Spigen, S-P-I-G-E-N, tempered glass, screen protector designed for the Apple iPhone X 2018 and 2017 series. Same price for all three sizes of foam. Second product comes from our friends at the Gromit, T-H-E-G-R-O-M-M-E-T, thegromit.com. And again, we will have the USA buying link and we will do our best to get the UK and international link if it's available. It's a 180-degree flashlight. Looks like a regular flashlight, except the head of it is much, much wider. And it's a triple light. That's why it's called the triple light, T-R-I-P-L-E-L-I-T-E. Price is either side of $20 US as a mini size, but we recommend the full size three LED, giant LED, triple light flashlight, the standard size, easy to 
hold, easy to turn on and off. It has two lighting illumination levels, very bright and a little bit less very bright, and then off. There's no gimmick to it. Comes with three AA batteries and it lasts for a long time. In our backyard where we take our little puppy out for a walk at night, it lights up the entire backyard. We've got about 3,000 square foot of garden or backyard and it illuminates the entire back portion of our house and our garden area. It is wonderful having a full 180 degree illumination. This is so bright that if the lights go out at O'Hare Airport, you'll be able to land the jets with the triple light 180 degree flashlight. That's from the grommet. So we've got a very useful torch or flashlight, depending on where you live, and exceptional glass covers for your precious iPhones. Great stocking stuffers that will last you the year and many years to come. Back next week with more from Nemo's Hardware Store. I was going to ask you quickly, Carnis, what would be the three tips you could give anyone for starting out using to use ferrite? If you, if you had to give some hints and tips uh, for someone just starting out, what would those hints and tips be to get someone going? I think probably check out the YouTube channel because there's a lot of quickfire tips in there that mm. you can see it right there on the screen. You know, I, I put in little markers to show where the fingers go and tap and drag and so on. So I think that would probably help people because it will show them how to do a lot of gestures that you don't need to know them to use the app because there's always menu commands to do stuff but if you know the gestures it will speed you up if you are using a keyboard and you're familiar with another app do go into the keyboard settings and see if there's a preset there for the app that you're coming from that might help if you're not used to using tools like Strip Silence and Titan Audio, give them a spin. You might like it. You might find that it speeds up your workflow quite a lot and saves you a bunch of time. This is maybe not a beginner tip, but if you are producing a, a podcast or series, definitely check out templates. They can be a, a real time saver. Oh, yeah, I forgot um, to mention them. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so that lets you uh, create... You, you basically create an episode of your podcast or show or whatever. And then when you're finished, you can turn it into a template and then you go into the template, strip out the stuff that is unique to that particular episode, but keep the stuff like the theme tune and the, the show artwork, you know, the cover art and all of these sort of details that uh, you keep using. And if you have, um, often the chapters will be specific to an episode, but if you have segments like um, a question and answer, you know, letters from listeners kind of section that you keep using over and over again, you can save that out as presets. And when you save as presets, you can actually save them into the template so that they're part of that template. And then next time you go to create an episode, you just go new episode of this podcast and it will create the template. You can open it up, just drop those chapters in wherever and it will ask you what the episode number is and the air date if you've because uh, it has <coughs> sorry it has placeholders which are kind of like um mail merge or something like that is probably a better term for it but basically you can say this is episode number and then you just drop a marker in that says episode number and then when you actually create it, it'll get filled in automatically. And you can repeat that in different places. So you can have it in the title, you can have it in the show notes, you can have it in the file name that it will get exported to. And it will have the same number in each place and you only have to fill that in once. And um, you can do that with the date as well. And you can have them in different formats. So if you like, you know, some people really like to have their uh, 
their file names on the lines of you know podcast 0021.mp3 and but in the uh in the title it would be just you know podcast episode number 21 and you can have it format that differently and it will just do the right thing so that's useful um what else is worth mentioning uh, oh uh if you it's quite common to record either in stereo because you've got two people and you've got a microphone each or because you're using a call recorder that puts you on the left channel and the other person on the right channel or something like that and you end up with a stereo file Ferrite lets you split that into two separate files so that you can edit each one independently so that if you're speaking over each other you know you can uh, trim one person or move it a little bit to, so that you're not talking over each other which you wouldn't be able to do if they were just linked together so that's um, worth knowing. You can do that by going in, selecting the the recording and tapping info. And there's and this is a pro feature, so it's not in the free version. But in the pro version, it will say something like using channels one and two, and you tap on that, and it will list all the channels. And it supports more than two channels, so you could have um, a recording from a mixing desk with like eight tracks in it, and it will um, obviously. You know, people aren't mixing podcasts in Dolby 7.1 surround, so you can't use all of those eight tracks at once. But what you can do is say, turn off all of the tracks except one, split off all the extra tracks as separate files, and now you've got eight files that you can each edit on their own tracks. And so, yeah. That's wow. Do you know that was in this? <laughs> wow. Uh, Camis, uh, as it's quite clear, both Carl and myself love ferrites. Just tell us a little bit of where can they find the app and a little bit about the, the costs associated with the upgrades, which are, as, as Carl and I would probably agree, are more than worth it. So the best thing is just go to the App Store and look for Ferrite Recording Studio. Um, I also have a website at wooji-juice.com. That's W-O-O-J-I. Uh, and I'm at Muji on Twitter as well. Just shove that in there. Um, but uh, yeah, and the app is a free download uh, for a, uh, the light version is, has some limitations like uh, the maximum you can, uh, project you can edit is 10 minutes, for example, and three tracks. Um, but there, there used to be some, uh, a few different in-app purchases, but people found that confusing and I simplified it down to just one single unlock that's just like, it's the pro version. You either have it or you don't, and uh, people seem to like that better. So that's um, thirty dollars, or the equivalent in your local currency, which you probably know varies from country to country due due to sales taxes and all of that. So it's not exactly thirty dollars, but whatever the equivalent is, um, and that will give you more or less unlimited project duration and up to 32 tracks on the more powerful devices and yeah that's awesome and we can't let you go without just talking about black friday did you manage to snag any bargains this week i'm afraid i didn't i don't have anything to add here (laughs) i'm uh i've been too busy just typing code to be on amazon or wherever shopping what about yourself carl have you managed to snag any black friday bargains not really. I did. Uh, I did go over to iTunes and get because they're doing loads of deals on movies and TV series at the moment. So I, I did snag some movies. Uh, the only one I remember springs to mind. I think I got big for one ninety nine or something. So 
I was quite happy with that. It's a 4K version as well, I believe. I'm waiting for the Christmas movies to come on, uh, off, which is Die Hard, Die Hard 2, and Elf. And that will see me through <laughs> Elf Christmas. Elf is already on. Elf is already on. What? Is it on offer? Oh, no. I don't, I don't know if it's on offer. But... Oh, right. Blimey. But they see, I was leading up to, because obviously I've, I'm going to go and get the uh, Alexa little hockey puck thing, because I want to be able to turn my lights on and off by using my voice. The, the dot? That's the one, the third generation dot. That's on offer, along with a lot of other stuff. And if you've just listened to Nemo's hardware store and any of the stuff that we're talking about tickles your fancy, if you click on the link, you can go to Amazon, shop, do whatever you want to do, and we'll get a very, very small commission, and that helps support the show. See, that, that was what I was aiming towards, boys. I was that, all that lead up just to try and get a plug for someone just, to use our Amazon affiliate link. Use our Amazon link. Yeah, I do. And a huge, um, and a huge, obviously a huge thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers because thanks to you, I've been able to go out on a Black Friday and go and buy a shed load of hosting for both the website and the podcast hosting. So your money has gone a little bit longer. Right, uh, we've got a giveaway. So we've asked for stuff. We're giving away something. Simon, what have we got as a giveaway this week? Okay, Be Light Software, who uh, we interviewed recently and uh, I put out in the double bonus interview episode uh, earlier in the week, have given us two licenses for their live home 3D, one for iOS and one for the Mac. So if you're interested in a free copy of that, please email the show on essentialapple at sudomail.com, and that's S-U-D-O mail.com, with the phrase, bar, bar, be light, sheep, please. And name out of the hat will win the code. Thank you very much, be light, for that freebie. And as we're recording this on the 25th of November, where, how long are we running this competition for? Why don't we give away the licenses on the Christmas party episode, which will be recorded on the 23rd. So there's plenty of time and we'll be pitching it till then. <laughs> oh, blimey, you know what? It's actually 30 days now till Christmas Day. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, I, I know, Tom. It's it. It just feels weird. Uh, and also, need to tell you, listeners of this show can claim an extra ten dollars off purchases of Luminar and/or Aurora HD twenty nineteen with the discount code Essential Apple. And uh, if you buy Luminar twenty eighteen now, you will get all the twenty nineteen updates for free. So there you go. And we'll have all this in the show notes. Now we're going to do one more story, I think. Uh, Bendgate, Carl. <laughs> I I looked at this story and went, you know what? I have, I've run out of blood pressure medicine. I'm not looking at this one. What is going on about Bendgate? I've seen some horrendously rich YouTubers go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to break a computer. It's, it's just one of those, look, okay. The iPad's a thin piece of technology made of metal. And apparently, if you bend it in half, it actually bends. Shock, horror. No. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what what more can you say? Yes, if you're going to treat it like this, it's going to break. So if you drop it, apparently, it might break as well. I mean, these are not revelations, are they? I mean, who's putting an iPad in their back pocket? Maybe if you shove it into a, a backpack or something and you shove a load of Coke cans or something in there as well, you might have a problem. But I don't know. I mean, if you're treating... It always comes down to that thing. Like, we're spending, well, now, up to a £1,000 on these pieces of equipment, and, and people mistreat them, which I, it just terrifies me. I walk, I walk through London stations and stuff, and I see people with their highly expensive phone 
brace between their shoulder and their neck on a conversation. And you think, what are you doing? Buy some <laughs> AirPods, goddammit. mistreat technology this way. It's crazy. Yeah, there's a thing called AirPods. That solves that problem. I, l- I look at AirPods as a 169 quid solution to me dropping my phone. Uh, speaking of which, Canis, what, <laughs> what, um, what Apple hardware are you rocking in your pocket? Oh, God, did that come out a bit weird then? <laughs> little, little. Slightly strange. Yeah. Guess who's dropping another marker? Yet another good feature of Ferrite, available in the App Store. <laughs> uh, did you splurge for any new apple goodness? I mean, what, uh, what Apple tech are you using at home? Are you asking me? Yes. Ah, um, I picked up an Apple Watch recently. Uh, technically, it's a business expense because I'm doing some R&D on a new uh, project that will use it. So, uh, but I've been, you know, you need to sort of wear it and see how it works to get a feel for the right way to develop apps for it. Because, you know, if you, you know what, it, uh, what I mean, the, if you don't live with a product, you don't really know the right way to develop for it. You, know, it, you always see this when you um, see apps that have been ported from another platform by somebody who isn't really native to the platform it's being ported to, and they don't. Yeah, it has weird interface conventions and so on. So I've been sort of getting the hang of the watch just to sort of feel how it should work. Are, are you suggesting in the future I could uh, edit my podcast on my watch? <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, no, no. This is not for fair. Damn. Just, uh, Oh, that would I be a challenge. I wonder if uh, it would be useful to record from the watch into Ferrite, but I think that that would not be useful. It would be more of a gimmick, and I, I want to sort of put useful things into Ferrite rather than gimmicky things. <laughs> be good. Catch my catching audio by sticking your fist in their face almost. Yeah, speak into this. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, guys? I think uh, that will do us for today. It's been very enjoyable. Canis, for, thank you ever so much for coming on. It's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure. Just give us the shield one more time. So if people want to find out more about you, your app, your website, now is the time to haul yourself to the internet to tell people how they can get a hold of you. Sure. So, yeah, uh, the company is Wooji Juice. It's W-O-O-J-I and then juice as in fruit juice. Uh, the website is wooji-juice.com. Uh, I am at Wooji on Twitter and you can find my apps in the App Store by searching Ferrite Recording Studio or Hokusai Audio Editor. That's H-O-K-U-S-A-I. I think, <laughs> and uh, a few other things. I make quite a few synthesizers, you know, like musical keyboard type synthesizers. Um, there's a uh, silo synth and grain science and mitre synth. Um, most of my games I discontinued for one reason or another, but uh, for fun because um, because I've been in the app store since the day it opened. So earlier this year was the 10-year anniversary, so on the anniversary I re-released Hexterity, which was the first iOS game that I made. And I sort of did a, an all-new digitally remastered version, Just and I just give it away for free because it's just a bit of fun. But um, there is a tip jar if you really feel like it. But uh, if you feel like playing a little free puzzle game, check that out. Uh, yeah, I think that's everything the game hexterity like dexterity but with an h for hexagons because it's all about brilliant thank you very much mr carl martin from the mac and forth show it's been long overdue since we've last shared the airwaves i say long overdue it's 
probably been a blessed relief for many people not to hear me. Well, that was that was that restraining order, wasn't it? Really, they never proved a thing. The DNA DNA evidence was insubstantial. <laughs> uh, you can get hold of me if you want to listen to the Mac and Forth show at macandforth.com or just seek out Mac and Forth on any of your podcasting applications. And uh, we're also listed on Ferrite's page as one of the users of Ferrite. <laughs> it's one of the podcasts that uses Ferrite. How right. do we not get on there? Oh, oh, yeah, I've listened to... Well, you never well, told I, him. <laughs> I say that and then I you listen to back to the quality of the show when I edit it. So probably just as well, really. <laughs> Carl, thank- you do have to let him know that you're using it he's not a mind I've, reader I've, he might be brilliant one, but he's not a mind I reader I was one of the first people to drop the 499 to do the unlock and I have several emails going back and forward and like I said when we I think we were off the air it's like the amount of times I've emailed him to go how do you do this and it's like <laughs> I'm just going to very very politely rewrite what I've put in the manual and then I go and read the manual and go oh yeah, there's that feature. I will so I will also say, all joking aside, uh, and I know we've sounded very, very pro ferrite, but that's the whole point. We like to get people on about the apps that we love. The support is fantastic. I've always felt like every email just takes the time to explain it to me, and maybe it's copy and pasted, maybe it's you know a template. I don't care. But the, every time I've had a question. It's always felt like there's been some care and attention going into it. So a big thank you from a very inept user. Um, I'm glad to be. (laughs) (laughs) I aim for that on a daily basis. Simon, (laughs) where if people want to get hold of you, how can they do so good, sir? Well, the simplest way to find me is on Twitter, where I am at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Um, of course, all the stuff is on the EssentialApple.com website. And uh, we also tweet, of course, as at Essential Apple. Also, and if you want to, you get hold of me at Ocean Speed. I'm on the Twitter now and again at Essential Apple. This has been a show of the Essential Apple podcast featuring Canis from Ferrite Software and Carl Madden from the Mac and Fall Show. And until next time, we'll see you soon or talk to you soon. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to put the kettle on. Cheerio, everyone. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club podcast, the geekiest show ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Shots and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I forgot. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Hi, I'm Bart Pushots, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. 
We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie. Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.